We're going to make our, our, our confession here before we go into the word. That's Isaiah 50, verse 4 and 5. So let's say this before the Lord. This, this scripture is becoming more and more important to me because I know people hear, but they really are not hearing, especially when it comes from God. It takes only the grace of God to really hear when God is speaking because uh, with hearing goes the power to respond to him positively what he wants. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. I heard somebody say, that part of that scripture is hard, and I was not rebellious because I heard it many times, and I had a hard time. And yeah, I'm just confessing that he's going to help me not to be. Amen? That's what we're saying that for. Amen? I know this person understood that well as well. Today I want to continue with uh, the message, add grace to your faith. Add grace to your faith. Because the Bible says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. So, grace brings salvation. But grace cannot get to you without faith. So, if you have faith and grace was not added, no salvation. So, you got to have some grace. And so, I believe that uh, Peter, knowing the scriptures, told us how grace manifests itself in our lives. What we can add to our faith. What we can add to our faith to make it fruitful. Because when God does anything, he's looking for fruit. Right after he created Adam and Eve, the first words they heard, the very first word mankind heard from God's lips, be fruitful and multiply. So God's always looking for fruitfulness. And man, because we, are, we were made in his image, we look for that as well. We look for fruitfulness. But God looks for that and he wants that in us. And so when we add grace to our faith, the things that God wants us to add, then we are not barren, we are not unfruitful in the works of righteousness. What I call the fruits of righteousness. I think that's the message I'm working on. <laughs> The fruits of righteousness. So, Peter tells us, add to your faith, the first thing is virtue. Virtue, goodness. That's expected of a Christian. We expect Christians everywhere to be good. But being good takes courage. Being good sometimes takes you... Standing alone and everybody against you. They know you're right, but they're on the other side. But you have to stand. It takes courage to be good. It takes courage to do what's right. Because everybody else is doing what's wrong. And it seems like they're right. If everybody is doing it, why should it be wrong? But you know better. And they know better. So it takes courage to stand aside and say, I'm going to do what's right. Because you are a believer. You are a child of God. 
Now, one of the key things in, in, in standing for God is your conscience. Conscience is so important. The conscience is good. Consciousness, conscience. Consciousness, what was around you, what people can see around you, but your conscience is so important. First Timothy, I want to start with that today. First Timothy 1 verse 5, it says, Now the purpose of the commandment is love. What's the purpose of the commandment? Love. God's commandment, the purpose, the final thing, he wants love. The commandment just to help you to get to love, if you will stay with it. The purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart. Love from a pure heart. That's the purpose of the commandment. Not only that, but from a good conscience. Not just love from a pure heart, but love also from a good conscience. So if there is a good conscience, there must also be a bad conscience. And if love is coming from a bad conscience, it's no longer love, it's hate. It's got to come from a good conscience. You have to have a good conscience. Meaning you can maintain a good conscience. Or you can abandon it and have a bad conscience. So he says the purpose of the commandment is love. But that love must come from a pure heart. No ulterior motive. It's just a love. Love gives. That's what God is saying. From a good conscience. And, notice, from sincere faith. That means some people's faith really not sincere. Your faith will determine the way you behave. What you believe determines how you act. When your faith is sincere, most, most likely your conscience is good and your heart is pure before God. Now, notice, sometimes we uh, misunderstand certain things about uh, purity before God, a pure heart. A pure heart is not talking about sinless heart. It's talking about a heart that's right towards God and towards man. We call, use the word mistake, uh, really, it's sin. There's no mistake. It's all sin. And from time to time, we make mistakes. No, really, we all sin sometimes. But God looks beyond that. He looks at your heart. David wasn't perfect. But God saw his heart. And God loved what he, he saw in him. And that's what God's looking for in your life. A pure heart towards him and towards man. You make your mistakes, but your heart is pure. So the, the commandment is really to get you to love out of a pure heart, a good conscience. And it's in faith before God. Now, Paul, um, I mean, Peter warned, uh, uh, Paul warned us in this, in verse 19, he says, having faith, so you have faith and a good conscience, which some have been rejected. So you can reject a good conscience. 
Concerning faith, when it comes to faith, you reject a, a, a good conscience. Guess what? You make shipwreck of your faith. So what's the conscience we're talking about? Uh, the, your conscience is the voice of your spirit. Your conscience is the voice of your, your spirit. It reprimands you gently and commands you when you do something right. And when you do something wrong, you hear this little thing in your heart. That wasn't right to say to him. Right? Is there. And you can override it and continue to do what you're doing. And you're mad, you're screaming, and that little voice is, you don't have to be that mad. I mean, it's been there. That's the voice of your conscience. He's speaking to you, letting you know that's not the way to go. You can override it. But every time you override it, you silence him. And before long, he's no longer speaking. You now have a bad conscience. And when you have a bad conscience, you see things differently. Right becomes wrong. And wrong becomes right. And you maintain it and you fight for it. Because your conscience is defiled. The one, the Bible says, he's he who is called a conscience is defiled, there's nothing right. To him who is pure, all things are pure. To him who is not pure, nothing is pure. It gets to that. So your conscience is that voice that speaks to you. It just tells you this is not right. This is right. You shouldn't go this way. You shouldn't have. And, and it's not condemning you. It's just trying to help you to walk that narrow path. And then guess what? When you listen to your conscience and you respond positively, his voice gets louder. And your walk with God gets better. And your conscience and your heart gets purer because you are not pushing your conscience aside. And that's why Paul says, once you put your conscience aside, you make shipwreck of your faith. You still have faith, but it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. So we need to recognize that. A good conscience. And so add to your faith virtue. This, you maintain a good conscience, you have virtue. Because it keeps telling you, you shouldn't do that. That was not right to say. And if you listen, guess what? You want to go back to say, make it right. Right? Go back and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What I did was wrong. I shouldn't have said it that way. Fathers, you can apologize to your children. You're not just the boss, okay? When you do something wrong at work and you're screaming, guess what they're thinking? That's a Christian. Look, he's screaming. They know you shouldn't be doing that. And your conscience tells you. You've destroyed your testimony. Don't cover it up like it didn't happen. Go back and tell them, call all of them, have a meeting. You know, I behaved like a fool. That's that's okay. No. You know what you've done? You've empowered your testimony. 
Because what that is, they know that you're not perfect. They've always known that. But you're following your conscience by doing what is right. And they respect you. Even more. Even more. Because you own up to something that you did that was wrong. They want to know about your faith. So add to your faith virtue. That's part of it. But to virtue, it says to add knowledge. Knowledge. It's important that you had knowledge to it. How important is knowledge? First, people want to know, if you're living for God, those around you don't know what's going on. Unbelievers want to know the reason, the Bible tells us that, for your faith. That to me, that's number one. Everywhere you go, people always want to know why you're different. They can tell there is a different attitude, the way you carry yourself. They don't understand it. Especially if they've never been around people who were born again, you're really different. I remember when I got saved, the guy that brought me to the Lord, he was so different. I guess the man that I met him back in Nigeria, that got my attention. I never, in my life, I, I mean, I was a grown man at that time, I'd never seen anybody like him. He loved God and he talked openly about God. And when they wronged him, I thought he's going to get back at them soon. Man, he's back laughing with them like nothing happened. I told myself, he can't be a man. He's an angel. He came from heaven. But I made a mistake of telling him one day, uh, I like the way you, you are. He said, what do you mean? You know, the way you live your life. And, and, and then he turned around and he says, oh, good luck. You can be just like me. I said, uh, no, no way. No, you don't know who you're talking about. I can never be like you. I can't do that stuff you do. You curse me out, I'm coming back at you. I'm not going to act like you. And I certainly don't know that heaven is mine. He knew. So people want to know. And, and Peter tells us this. He says in First Peter 3 verse 15, But sanctify the Lord God in your heart. In other words, set God apart in your heart. No touching. This is the, if it has to do with God, that's the final thing. Sanctify God in your heart. And always, how often? Always be ready to give a defense to anyone, everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. How many believers thought about that? It takes knowledge to tell them what's happening. You're a good Christian, but also have the knowledge of what you believe. Understand it. So when they're asking you, God says he wants you to have the knowledge to be able to share with them. And do a good job when they ask you. And I believe that this scripture is here because that's going to happen. God just puts something there. And it's never going to happen. Somebody's going to ask you, what's the purpose? Why are you so different? I read a story of two good, uh, they were businessmen together. And they had this great business. And, and one of the other guy, the other guy, he, he, he loved his, his uh, partner. 
They were doing so well. He trusted him. He knew he could do no wrong. Take care of the finances. We worked together. He trusted him. He knew and he talked about it. I got a great partner. He's a great man. I'm telling you, he is such a good guy. And then one weekend, he went somewhere and got saved. And he was excited. He couldn't wait to tell his good, his good partner. And he couldn't wait to get to the office. As soon as he got to the office, hey, he called his partner and he said, Listen, I went somewhere and somebody talked about God and I got saved. I'm saved. I, he wanted to share his testimony. And the other, his partner went, Glory to God. He went, Huh? You're a Christian? He said, Yeah. No wonder. No wonder you're different. Now I know why you're different. And then the woman, all of a sudden, he got upset. So I could have gone to hell, he said. And you were my best friend, my good partner. You said nothing about your faith. He was mad at him. You can't be a good man. I mean, I'm telling you. How can you be a good friend and you said nothing? I knew. I talked about how good you were and how pleasant you are as a person. Trustworthy. And you never told me why. Not one time. I thought you were my friend. I'm sure that was God's rebuke on that man. <laughs> He'd go home and cry. He maybe, hopefully, never do that again. But see, God wants you to know. Amen? So you can give them the reason why you believe or you live the way you live. Yeah, knowledge is very important. That's just one part of it. Knowledge, if you read the scripture, is so important that we know. The reason we're here, the reason we study the scriptures is to know. Because God wants us to know the truth. Because it's the truth that makes us free. The more truth you have, the more truth you know, the better your relationship is with God. Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, from the day I heard of your faith towards God and your love for the brethren, I never ceased to pray for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Notice, in the knowledge of Him. They were already Christians. But they need to know that you may know the hope of your calling. So you can be a Christian and not know the hope of your calling. Knowledge. Add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. You already got virtue. You're good. But have some knowledge because it will help you in your work with God. So Paul prayed for that. God wants you to have knowledge. In John chapter 17, verse 17, uh, it says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So God's word is the truth. That's the only way you are sanctified. Sanctified means set apart. The knowledge of God's truth sets you apart from everybody else. 
You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. In, in, uh, in John 17, verse 3, it's about eternal life. He says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you. Know God through his word, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Knowledge is what brings eternal life. There was something, uh, let me put it this way. Your greatest enemy is not your boss. And certainly is not your wife or your husband. Or that man that is after you, you think. The, a man's greatest enemy is ignorance. That's our greatest enemy. When you don't know. You walk into danger if you have no knowledge. And happily so. Until danger comes. Because you don't know. So knowing is very significant. And I read in the scriptures about Jesus himself talking about what ignorance and lack of knowledge would do to us. And what it did to the Jews. What they missed. Just because they didn't know. And sometimes it's because they don't want to know. Because if, you, if I know, then I'm responsible. So people are willingly ignorant. Because they don't want to know. But just not knowing is not, it's not going to excuse you from all of it. You still have to deal with a the God. There are principles in life. Let me read this scripture to you about, about Jesus. This was Jesus. How important knowledge is. And searching for knowledge. Jesus himself said, search the scriptures. So, that's the command. You search the scriptures. For in them, you think, you have eternal life. They speak about me. So, when you read the scriptures, you get to know Jesus better. It's knowledge of him that's translated from the pages into your heart and comes out in your life. Real. It says, it says now, in, in Luke chapter 19, verse 41, Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. As Jesus drew near to Jerusalem, he was going in, Palm Sunday perhaps, he wept over it. Jesus was weeping, saying, if you had known, if you had known even you, could he be speaking to you today? You just don't know how much God loves you to the point where you recognize, I need God. That's a terrible place to be if you don't know enough to know without God there's really no life. If Jesus said, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, say with me, today is my day. It's your day. I should read it. Your day. If you had known, even in your day, the things that make for your peace. 
but you don't know it. But now, they are hidden from your eyes. So what does that mean? You won't have peace. If you had known those things that make for peace, you have peace. But the problem is you don't know them. Knowledge is so important. I have to know. I have to search the scriptures. Because knowing the truth brings faith and it changes your life. If you had known, he says they are hidden from your eyes. And then look at the consequence and it happens to us. For the days will come. When you stay ignorant, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you. You're walled off. You're walled off. Surround you and close you in on every side. So you feel bound. In your situation, you think... I can never get out of this. And not if you know what God has for you. It's for your peace. But you got to know it first. You have to know it. You have to search for it. You have to know it. You know, Jesus came. It was amazing. The reason Jesus came was to tell us, deliver truth to us. I, I know we always say he came to die on the cross. But when you listen to Jesus to die for us, but you, when you listen to the words of Jesus, then you know what's really important in the mind of God. And follow through with it. Because I heard Jesus talking to Pilate. And letting Pilate know his mission. Why he came to the earth. Pilate wanted to know, who are you? Are you the king of the Jews? Tell me something. These guys are screaming at you, and I, have, I think I have the power to crucify you, but you're saying nothing. What do you have to say? So Pilate says, are you a king then? Then Jesus answered, John 18 verse 37, You say rightly that I am a king. Listen, for this cause... I was born. Okay? Not just being a king. There's a cause. There's something to live for. You understand? Not for this cause. I was born. This is why I was born. For this cause, I came into the world. This is why I came into the world. Why? That I should bear witness to the truth. In other words, that I should tell you guys the truth. That's what it is. Bear witness means to tell the truth. To tell the truth. That's why he came. So you can have the truth and have knowledge. That's why the Bible says in John 8 verse 32 and you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. To bear witness to tell you the truth so you know the truth. You know all the lies Satan is told about the Father, God, and you know that he loves you. Tell you he taught to tell you the truth. That's why he came. That's why he came. When we don't know, when we don't add knowledge to, to our faith, then we are tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine because you don't really know for yourself. 
what God has delivered to us. So knowledge is very important. Knowledge. The enemy takes advantage of our ignorance. That's why I said ignorance is the, the greatest enemy that we have. You know, I'm, we're trying to do something in our church here. I, I did that last Sunday. I hear the C word, cancer. And it's, it's, it's like after the cancer word, the next thing people think in their mind, oh, he's going to die. Right? It's the next thing. And we pray that something's going to happen. And, and maybe God can help us or the medical profession can help us together. And, and that's good. I don't want to be sick with cancer. I don't want you sick with cancer. That's not your passion. Not if we read what the truth tells us. Uh, your body can tell you the facts that you have it. Uh, but there is a different truth. It's here. Here is the truth. And Bible says, Jesus bore our infirmities. He bore it. Not going to, he bore it. That's truth. He bore our infirmities, bore our sicknesses upon himself. That's Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. That's truth. So when you have truth and you look into truth, you confess the truth, before long it takes over your mind. And takes over your life. Because as a man thinks in his mind, so he is. When you think health, you got health. But how can you think health when you got nothing to stand on? When you stand on the word of God, after a while, it takes over. And you are no longer afraid. Even if it runs in your family, you know not in this family because you say to yourself, I am now a member of the family of God. I don't have their DNA. I have a new, brand new DNA. And it's the DNA from heaven. I don't have to be sick. And, and, and your family members say, huh? Who do you think you are? <laughs> we all have it in our family. Uh, that's your family. You don't belong to us anymore. No, I still belong to you. But I have another family. And I have the new DNA. I have it. We are the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are his body. Amen? We are his body. So ignorance can be a real problem. And the Bible tells us, if you look at Hosea, he says, uh, uh, it uses the word destruction. And Isaiah goes captivity. Uh, you choose what you want. Isaiah, I mean, Hosea 4 verse 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. God's people are destroyed because they don't have knowledge. Their faith, their virtue, he's brought them into the faith. But they are God's people without knowledge. And so the, the enemy takes advantage of it. He says, because you have rejected knowledge. Do you remember I told you sometimes people are unwilling, I mean willingly ignorant. They don't want to know. He says, because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priest for me. Because you have forgotten the law of, of God. 
I will also forget your children. I saw that and I said, please, no, 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 Lord. Don't, I will do whatever for my children. For my children. That God will never forget my children. Even after I've gone, he still remembers my children. Just like he did with Abraham, with Isaac, Joseph. He remembered them. We're speaking about the same God. God has not changed his mind about anything. Whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, he hasn't changed his mind. He's just changed the way he deals with us. He's still the same. Now, Isaiah chapter 5 verse 13 says, Therefore my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. So the problem is no knowledge. You are taken captive because you don't have knowledge. I want to go to this scripture because I need to go to the next one, which is self-control, before we go today. Amen? Amen. Self-control. No, knowledge is so powerful, knowing what God says. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, it says, Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. When you do wickedly against God's covenant, and sometimes people do that. They, they, it's all a show, pretense, and all of that. And guess what you get? Flattery. You're so great. You're so this, and all of that. That's what God says when you corrupt, when you do wrong to the covenant that we have, the covenant with the Lord Jesus. That's what's going to happen. Let me read it again. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, it shall corrupt with flattery. But... The people who know their God, say with me, those who know their God, shall be what? Strong. He says, a wise man is strong. Because you know, those who know their God will be strong and carry out what? Great exploits. But Jesus told us, For us, those of us, we have eyes that can see. We have ears that can hear. And then he tells us, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 13. But blessed are your eyes for they see. And your, verse 16, and your ears for they hear. For assuredly, this is very important, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see. You see, we take things for granted. Today, on, this side, on the other side of the cross, our time, we are seeing things that the prophets never saw. Isaiah didn't see the things we are seeing today. He didn't hear the words of Jesus. They had no clue. They wanted to be there to see what Jesus had to say. But we have it in the book. And we neglect it. Jesus gives us an insight here. He says, I say to you that many prophets, many, not one, many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and they didn't. We have a great, very great privilege, you know, to whom 
Much is given, much is required. So add to your, to your faith, virtue, and virtue, knowledge, and knowledge, self-control. Self-control, what does that mean? Control yourself. That's what it means. Control yourself. You know what people do, what Christians do for the most part? They want to control others. That's it's a major thing. They want to control others. They want to control their wife. They want to control their husband. It's just something that is devilish in us. And you have to catch it. You have to catch it. Because you think you're doing, doing them right. But it's no. It's you. It's your problem. When you try to control somebody else, because the Bible is very clear. I just picked that. I believe this was the spirit because I wasn't going to talk about that. Spirit was speaking to me about it. When, when, when you try to control somebody else, that's not the way God intended it. The Bible is clear. They shall all be led by God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. God did not make us to control somebody else by manipulation, excluding them, making them feel bad, so that they do what we want. You're not God. They shouldn't do what you want. He should be what God wants. And when you branch into that area, before long, whatever method you're using, before long, Satan, you find a friend with Satan. Usually, those people are scared because you, you've manipulated them to the point where they're scared. They do, they do because if they don't do, something's going to come negative from you. That's not the way God intended it. That's not the way God intended it. God forbid anybody does anything because of pastor good luck. No, you should do it because of your God, not because pastor is going to be there. That's silly. When you are engaged in trying to control somebody else, the real problem is you. You need to control yourself. You need to control yourself. That's all God. Notice you can read the scripture. The Bible never says a word about you controlling somebody else. But there are, read the scripture, several places where it says you should exercise self-control. Control yourself. That's the way it should be. That's what grace is all about. Jesus doesn't control me. Right? He gives me his word and I decide to listen lovingly. The disciples were not afraid of Jesus. You notice? They talked to him. When he says something, they answer right back. They were not afraid of him. They loved him. And they wanted to do, out of love, what he was giving to them. When the reverse is the case and they're doing it out of fear, something has gone wrong. And if it's gone wrong, guess what? You have opened the door for, for demons to come in. Every time they have this. Do you remember David Koresh? Yeah. He comes a little bit, he starts small, and before long, 
you have absolute, the guy has absolute, and he himself knows because he's demonized. He knows he has control over them, even to the point of death. We don't control people. We let Jesus control them by telling them the truth. Do you notice? He says, and you shall know the truth, and Jesus will set you free. Is that what he says? He says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The truth about Jesus makes you free. Because Jesus and his word, they are one and the same. So control yourself. Okay? And uh, that's what Peter tells us. I'll close with this. This is funny. <laughs> My wife said, he started again. <laughs> You know, in Acts, this is about Felix. Uh, Paul was kind of in prison, and, and Felix wanted to hear Paul speak. But his lack of self-control, we're talking about that, control is control your emotions, Okay. Control your desires. That's self-control. Control because you, this is dealing with the mind. Your mind. The soul is realm. You have to have control. If you don't control, pull yourself back and say, no, I know, but that second bite is not good for my body. <laughs> but your desire says, I want it. I want it. I say, yeah, I know you want it. But it's not going to be good for us in the long run. And it's really hard. But that's why Christians should have that. Amen? Am I stepping on anybody's toe? No kidding. (laughs) But um, Felix wanted to hear Paul speak. But he thought he was going to make something out of it. And this is what happened. Listen to this. It says in verse 24, Acts 24, And after some days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. I'm sure Paul was excited to preach to this great man. It says, Now as he reasoned about what? Righteousness. And self-control and judgment to come, Felix was afraid. He didn't like what he was hearing. So he answered, go away right now. I don't want to talk to you. Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call you. And then the Bible says... If you, if you read after that, he says because uh, he was hoping to get some bribe from Paul. And now Paul was talking about self-control and righteousness and judgment. The guy says, I, I can't do this. You get away from me for this time. Self-control. We control everything. Amen? When you control what's inside, you have control of, of everything around you. Amen? Amen. Would you all stand this morning?
there are those of us that are here today. I don't know where, where you are with your walk with God. I pray constantly uh, for those who come among us. If you don't know God, that's the reason God sent you here. I'm grateful that somebody uh, told me about Christ. And God gave me the grace to ask that he should come into my life. Uh, that's the best decision I've ever made in my entire life. He's changed everything about my life. And uh, no regrets. No regrets. It's the best decision. You know, I was telling somebody, if you look at somebody, you are looking at the sum of the decisions they've made in their life. Yes. If I'm looking at my brother here, he is, everything about him, all the decisions he's made up till now. That's what it is. Your wife, that's a decision. What you do, what school you go to, that's a decision. It's all part of your life now. But the greatest decision a man can ever make on earth is the decision to let Jesus, God, this God that created all things, you can't tell me there is no God. You just can't tell me that. It's just way beyond us for anyone to let me, to tell me God doesn't exist. You have a lot of faith in that God doesn't exist. I can't explain everything that's happening around me. It's just too big. There's got to be a God. There's got to be a God. And I want to be, I want to be on His side when it's all over. Every one of us is going to die one day. How are you going to face Him, the one who died on the cross, in that horrible way, for you, out of love, and you rejected Him? And now you have to deal with him and you have no control and this is going to be throughout eternity. No day will come and things change and then now you can come in. I don't want to be there that way. I'm going to make my decision for him right now. And believe me, this is the best decision because it makes life beautiful for you. I've seen that. God is doing that in my life, my family, and it's a beautiful thing. All heads bow, please. If you're here today and you haven't made a decision for Christ, those of you that haven't, I want you to make a, a decision. Make a very conscious decision for God. Because God made a very conscious decision to send His Son to die for you. No halfway decision. It's a full conscious decision. God, I need you in my life. And I want you now. If you do that, because God has already sent His Son, His Son comes to you right there. And life becomes beautiful because of Him. All heads bowed this morning. Those of you, if you, when you, if you need Jesus today, and you're saying, come Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I want you. I really need you. If that's you, at the count of three, would you put your hand up? One, two, three. Nobody looking. Put your hand up. Thank you. See that hand? Thank you. Thank you. Some of us, we made a decision for God. I was reading uh, Revelation chapter 3 today. The worst thing that can happen to a Christian is to develop, for a Christian to develop a lukewarm heart. I actually, it's not that I have that, but I was looking at that scripture asking God for you and for me. Please don't let us go there. Please don't let us have a lukewarm heart towards you. 
because it's the most dangerous place to be. You can't correct yourself. You think you're okay. That's a bad place to be. The cold one will know. The hot one on the other side. But the one that's lukewarm is just like a frog heating up the water slowly till the frog is cooked. You won't move. Let's pray together this morning. Say with me, Lord Jesus, I dedicate my life to you fully and completely. Be the Lord of my life. I welcome you into my life this very day. In Jesus' name. For those of you, if you feel like yours, straight a little bit away from God would you rededicate your life to God again and say God with your help I want to draw closer to you I've been missing the house of God for a long time and you know when you start missing the house of God and it doesn't bother you you're in real trouble you don't know it but in the spirit realm the, the devil and the angels know this is not a good thing happening here I don't want, you don't want to be there I don't want you to be there Amen so I want you to make that recommitment to God today. God, with your help, I will serve you. I will not look back. I won't look to the right. I won't look to the left. I'm not looking at my neighbor. I'm not looking at my friend. I'm going to follow you. It's all about Jesus. How many want to do that? Put your hand up. Lift up your hands towards God today. If that's you, lift up your hand. Father God, I thank you. You see our hands lifted up. And it's only through your grace we cannot live the Christian life apart from you. Apart from your spirit. Holy Spirit, help us to satisfy our master with our living. Thank you, our God. We welcome you into our life today. We welcome all your power to live for our God. To do what's right before you. We give you praise today. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Give him a clap, our friend. He deserves it.